one of the most familiar and I think favorite of all Bible passages is the sixth chapter of the book of Daniel. And I, you need to take pity on the poor secretaries who for the third time have listed uh, Colossians 2, 8 through 15 in the Sunday bulletin at my instruction. And then I felt like I needed to pull off of it and do something else. And um, occasionally a thought strikes me and it's not too painful an experience. And I just felt like this morning we needed to look at Daniel chapter 6 for every one of us knows what it's like to be uh, or to feel as though we're in the, the lion's den of persecution or of pain or sorrow or whatever. And Daniel chapter 6, while it is terribly familiar to us, I fear that sometimes its familiarity helps cloud some of the things the Lord would teach us through it. I want us to examine this chapter this morning with the question in mind, is God able? No honest Christian would fail to admit that there are times when we look to heaven and in an attitude of rebellion or frustration question the ability and or the goodness and the love of God to do what he has promised that he would do for us and with us and through us. And Daniel chapter 6, along with other scriptures, is an example and a demonstration of the fact that God is able. If we will remember that nothing can touch our lives that does not come by way of the permission of God, if we can remember that the chisel which strikes our rough spots and the hammer which drives it are in the hand of Almighty God, then it will help us to understand that though we do not see what's going on, though we do not understand where God is taking us or what He's doing with us or what He's trying to accomplish, if we will realize that as in the case of Job, nothing can touch us without God's permission, then we can rest in the assurance that the God who loves us with a love much more perfect than any love we could ever have for ourselves is bringing all things together for our good and in his time his glory shall be enhanced and his purpose shall be revealed through our lives. Daniel chapter 6, is God able? I want to say several things about the ability of God as demonstrated from the text of this chapter this morning. First of all, in verses 1 through 9, the statement I want to make is this. God is able to place you where he wants you, how he wants you, and when he wants you. God is able to place you where he wants you, how he wants you, and when he wants you. We read in Daniel 6, it seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them, three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. 
Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful. And no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows, O king, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, that it may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction, the sovereign hand of the holy, omnipotent, omniscient God chose Daniel for a position of preeminence. Daniel had been among many who were taken captive to a land uh, other than their own when his land fell to the Babylonian Empire. From the very early days, Daniel had refused compromise. He had jeopardized his life when he chose to ignore the king's uh, diet that was prescribed for him and when he committed himself to a life of austerity amidst the pomp and circumstance of Babylon. Daniel, throughout his years, had distinguished himself. Now, Darius had no reason to know much about Daniel because Darius was a new king, and this was a new kingdom which had taken over. But again... He rose to the top because he was appointed and chosen by God because he had been faithful to God. And Daniel is an illustration that if we will only obey God, we will never need to be concerned with where we end up. If God doesn't promote you, you don't need to be promoted. If God doesn't advance you, you don't need to make a change. If God doesn't want you in a prominent place, whatever his reasons, you don't need to be there. Where you are equipped to be and where you can be of the greatest use to him is where God will have you. And if you are where God wants you to be as a Christian, then nobody can move you out until God is through with you there. If God can't take care of us, and if God can't do what he wants to do with us, then we may as well forget the whole thing. But remember, God will not put you in the place where you need to be unless you spend your life preparing for what God has called you to do. You see, God chose Daniel because Daniel had faithfully prepared. 
when God chose a vessel to carry the gospel to the Gentile world, to shape Christianity, whose influence exceeds everybody's in Christianity except the Lord Jesus. He chose a prepared vessel, a man whose mind was sharp, a man who had devoted himself to the study of the law of Moses and to the word of God. And once he was converted clear into his old age, he asked in his writings that his books and that his, his study materials be brought to him. He chose Paul because Paul was prepared for great service. Do not think that God will put you in a place of prominence if you dip him and cheat him out of the preparation that he wills for you to perform to get ready for that service. You see, prominence is of little importance unless that prominence is the gift of God to your life. You can't take shortcuts with the Lord and being prepared to serve him and come up later on effective in his service. You see, early in our Christian lives, we set patterns. Early in our Christian lives, we develop the things which we follow through with mostly for our lives unless God intervenes. And so I would say to you as a young Christian, if you are, you as a young person or you as a Christian worker within the family of the church, you need to be prepared for God to use you. And that means like Daniel, you're going to spend time in the Word of God every day. Later in the book of Daniel, as we finish going through it, we will find that every day not only did Daniel spend time in prayer, every day not only did Daniel turn aside to worship the Lord and to pray to Him, but every day Daniel turned aside to study God's Word. You are what you eat, they tell us physically, and I believe that spiritually it is exactly the same way. You will be spiritually what you feed your soul every day. And there is no shortcut. There is no easy way to get full of the Word of God, to get aware of the will of God. But today by day, whatever else you do for God, whatever else you do spiritually, day by day to feed your soul on the Word of God and to spend time with Him in prayer and thanksgiving. Prepare now. Many Christians sit and wait for their big opportunity which never comes because they've been sitting and waiting rather than preparing to be used of the Lord. You know, in very few areas of life are there overnight sensations and overnight successes. I suppose an example that would be prominent on our minds would be our president who has been fabled as the populist, you know, the man who rose from among the people to become president, and in some ways that's true. But years and years ago, Jimmy Carter was involved in state government in Georgia. He was involved in the Democratic Party. He ran for governor in law. He ran for governor in Juan. And he made a decision about four years prior to his election that he was going to make it his goal in life for the next four years to be elected president of the United States. And for three years and four months before many of us heard of Jimmy Carter, 
Jimmy Carter was laying the groundwork and working toward becoming president of the United States. Now that illustration is of limited value because when it comes to dealing with the Lord, we let him make the plans, lay the foundations, and move us. But the illustration is valid in the fact that nothing just happens by accident. You need to prepare now, and you may be idle, you may be on the shelf because you've never prepared to be used of God, and you have an unreal expectation that God will use you without you being adequately committed to Him and prepared to serve Him. It will not happen. Darius, the king, knew that Daniel would faithfully perform his duty. Remember, though, that God chose Daniel and that God, and in this case, this was a pagan king in a heathen monarchy. Remember that God is able to place you where, how, and when he wants you to be. And when God places you there, watch out. Because without exception, when God promotes you, the world will persecute you. Without exception, when God promotes you, the world will persecute you. You remember the verses we read just a minute ago? It says that the king made known his intention to appoint Daniel to a position of preeminence in the kingdom. Now, understand that the king was new, but many of these people in the government bureaucracy were not new. They had known Daniel all of his life. And we know from reading the book of Daniel that Daniel must very surely have been a thorn in their side because it is, a, an, it, it is an axiom of politics. It is always true that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And yet all of these years, as was evidenced many times in the book of Daniel, Daniel had been a thorn in the side of those who would use the government of the empire to their own benefit. They, he had once before been at a preeminent position. And now in semi-retirement, he's about to be brought out again and put over them again, and they don't know what to do about it. And whenever God promotes one who is faithful to him, the world will react in persecution. What did they do? They started looking for sin in Daniel's life. Little men will always attack big men. Dr. Charles Stanley of the First Baptist Church of Atlanta talking on this chapter says when little men attack big men, they will use two, two attacks. First, they will resort to flattery. You know, flattery, it is said, is the most sincere form of hatred. They came to the king. What did they say to the king? O king, live forever. King, you're the greatest. And then they went on to tell the king how everybody involved in the government had decided that the king was such a great man that they ought to pass a law and make the king God for a month and make it illegal to pray to anybody else. You see, they appeal to his vanity. Little men attacking big men will always come by way of flattery and they will always come by way of falsehood. Flattery and falsehood. Notice what they said to the king. They said all the commissioners 
the prefects, the satraps, the high officials, and the governors of the kingdom have consulted together. Now, you know that may have been almost true, but something's either true or it's not. You know, close on the counts in, what is it they say, hand grenades and horseshoes. It just wasn't true. And they neglected to tell the king that everybody agreed except the guy that was number two in the kingdom that was in charge of all the rest of them. They came to the king with flattery and falsehood because they had decided to attack Daniel. Now, there are two ways you can react when the world reacts to what God is doing in your life. You can look down to the little people and you can give them all of your attention, and that's a serious mistake. Or you can look up, keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus, and commit them to his care. That's what God wants you to do. Don't ever sign anything until you think about it. Now, that's what Daniel did. I mean, that's what Darius did. Now, Darius came to the conclusion that everybody thought he was such a great man that they ought to worship him for a month. That was a terribly flattering thing. And Darius said to himself, boy, that sounds great. I'll sign it. And he signed it. But you see, in the Medo-Persian Empire, anything that was signed in the law could never be revoked. The king couldn't take back his signature. The high councils of government couldn't delete that law from the royal decrees. It had to be enforced. And Darius read the moment that he signed without forethought. He signed it under a false assumption that Daniel had agreed to it. But old Daniel, who is about to be in a pickle, as the world would see it, was aware that God is able to place you where, how, and when he wants you. Number two, verses 10 to 13. God is able to provide for you whatever you need. God is able to provide for you whatever your need. Now look what Daniel did. Now it says, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement, or they came thronging together, it says, literally, and found Daniel offering petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about his injunction and said, Did you not sign an injunction? that any man who makes a petition to any god or man beside you, O king, for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den. The king answered and said, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked or changed. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Now, I want you to notice what a tremendous compliment his enemies paid Daniel. They had said to themselves previously, 
We will find no way to accuse Daniel unless we do it according to the law of his God. Isn't that a compliment? What a tremendous compliment. Now notice what Daniel did. When he knew that the death decree had been signed to anyone who did other than what men had decreed, he went about his normal habit of praying to God. What a tremendous testimony. Remember that God is able to meet your needs and to provide for you whatever they are. Daniel went right ahead with his regular prayer when he learned of the decree. And I think Daniel is a prime example of the fact that whatever we face can be conquered if we learn to pray. Whatever we face can be conquered if we learn the secret of effective prayer. The man of effective prayer can face any situation and any opposition with peace and assurance. Now, Daniel decided that he would rather be devoured by his enemies than be disobedient to God. What a testimony. He decided that he would rather forfeit his life than to be disobedient to God. He gave God thanks just like he always did. The man who knows how to pray, who has learned it through the trials of life, knows that the anchor of his soul is on his knees. And you can't shake a man who knows how to stand on his knees. The prayerless saint never knows peace and victory. And in the book of Isaiah, the prophet wrote, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. You see, the man who prays doesn't have time to forget God, doesn't have the opportunity to forget God. Daniel was confident that God was able to provide for him no matter what his need. And then notice number three. Scripture is verses 14 to 23, which we won't read all of this. God is able to protect you from all harm. Get that now. God is able to protect you from all harm. When Israel came out of Egypt and wandered or walked across the Sinai Peninsula in two weeks' time and offered their sacrifices and observed the Passover and got ready to go into the land of promise, they failed by unbelief to obey God, and they asked God, Do not take us into this land of Canaan to be opposed and to fight the people of the land, but protect us in the wilderness. Now notice two things. God granted their prayer, it says in Psalm 106, but he sent leanness into their soul. For God certainly did protect them into the wilderness. A cloud stood over them by day so that the desert sun would not bake their brains. A pillar of fire stood by the tent of meeting at night and protected them from the wild animals. God sent manna from heaven and brought water forth from stones to feed them. He protected them. 
He granted their prayer, but they settled for so much less than God wanted them to have because they could have gone into the land of promise and God would have provided for them perfectly just as he did in the desert. God is able to protect you from all harm. Now, when we discuss these verses, there's something I want you to notice. God did not keep Daniel out of the lion's den. You ever thought about that? God didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den. Earlier in the book of Daniel, as we've gone through it, we saw how the three friends of Daniel who refused to offer worship to a false image were threatened that they would be thrown into the fiery furnace, a furnace that heated the palace that performed many functions large enough to burn a man up at, at, in a few seconds' time. They were threatened with the furnace. And they decided that they would rather burn than be disobedient to God. And God didn't keep them out of the furnace either. You know, we spend a lot of time fearing what's going to happen. And what we don't realize is that what's going to happen doesn't make any difference because nothing is going to happen that God can't take care of. Nothing. God didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the furnace. He didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den, but he protected them in those situations from all harm. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. In Isaiah 43, Isaiah was told by the Lord, when you go through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the flood, it will not overflow you. When you go through the fire, it will not burn you, saith the Lord. In Mark 16, the Lord charged his disciples, while you are under my appointment, you may tread on snakes and be bitten and suffer no harm. God is able to protect you from all harm. Have you ever thought about how much our fears are in anticipating what something, what, what's going to happen, what somebody's going to do, or what something is going to do to us? Now, in the fear of anticipation, contrast that, has there ever been a time for you as a Christian when it got right down to that thing which you knew was impossible, which you could not survive, that God let you down. Ever a time? No. I didn't think so. Well, you see, God is able to protect you from all harm, no matter what the situation. Darius was now displeased with himself. You see, about the time they called the name of Daniel, Darius, who was new to the kingdom and had not chosen all of his advisors well, realized what was going on and that this entire scenario of a law to worship him was nothing more than a ploy on the part of the enemies of Daniel to find a way to get rid of him. 
And it says that Daniel was, that Darius was displeased with himself, that he set his mind on delivering Daniel, and that all day long until sunset, this happened in the morning, all day long Darius had the brain trust of his advisors, his legal advisors, his Supreme Court, trying to figure a way to deliver Daniel, and he couldn't do it. And then his advisors, who most of them were not Medes and Persians, but Babylonians, who hated him anyway, came to Darius and said, Recognize, O king, that this law cannot be changed. They just stuck it in him and twisted it. And then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den, very feebly, since he was not a man of faith, Trying to cheer Daniel, Darius said, The God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. And they brought a stone and laid it over the mouth of the lion's den and sealed it with the signet ring of the king. The king went off and spent the night fasting. His sleep fled from him. He was troubled. And he came early in the morning and cried out to Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you from the lion? Do not like Darius did, trap yourself. He thoughtlessly committed himself without giving thought to the consequences. They sealed the lion's den with a stone, and then they sealed the stone with the signet ring of the king. Now, does that sound familiar? There was another bunch of religious folks one time who were just trying to do God's work. They had a young itinerant rabbi who was not even of the proper tribe to be a teacher, nailed to a cross. Then they put him in the ground. They covered the mouth of the tomb with a stone and they sealed it with the seal of the Roman Empire. And they thought they were through with it. But just as the seal of Rome could not contain Jesus Christ, the seal of Persia could not seal the doom of Daniel. Now, old Darius had a bad night. You know, Daniel slept a lot better than he did. Because you see, when you willfully sin, it tears you up. But Daniel spent a peaceful night in the lion's den, and he called back to the king, My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me. Dr. Charles Stanley, you may have heard part of the illustration. The First Baptist Church of Atlanta I alluded to a while ago, one of the most tremendous blessings I've ever had was a message by Dr. Stanley on this chapter. Dr. Stanley states that after he became pastor of First Baptist Atlanta, his pastorate followed a time of trauma for that great church and there was still much unrest and bitterness in the fellowship. He was felt harried and harassed, and he, he began to question a lot of things, and he was very depressed. said one morning he had a call early from one of the sweet little ladies in his congregation, a widow, who invited him over for lunch. He went to her house and came in, and they had soup and sandwiches and had a nice little visit, and she just loved on him and talked to him and... and and just cheered him up. And then she said, Pastor, before you go, there's something I want you to see. 
he followed her upstairs to a bedroom, and on the wall of the bedroom was hanging the very familiar picture that you've all seen of Daniel in the lion's den. And she said, Preacher, what, what do you see there? And he looked at it and didn't know what she wanted from him, and, and he said, Well, there are lions laying around quietly looking at Daniel. There's the stone. Daniel is standing with his hands folded. The, the, there's a, a seal, a, a rock or something against the top of the lion's den. And he went on, he described everything he saw. And then she said, Pastor, you missed something. What's Daniel looking at? Charles Stanley said he looked. Daniel wasn't looking at the lions around him. He was looking up to a ray of light that came through the seal on the lion's den. He said, Pastor, Daniel wasn't looking at the lion. Charles Stanley said, I went out of there and rose up off the ground and have been on my way up ever since. Do not look at the lion and they will worry about you. God will pull their teeth, trim their paws, and cut their tails after you've been thrown into the lion's den. Amen? You see, we spend so much time in the fear of anticipation of what's going to happen. And God says when you go through the flood, it won't drown you. When you go through the fire, it won't burn you. And yet we fear the flood and the fire, but it's in the flood, it's in the fire, it's in the furnace, it's in the lion's den that you get to know Jesus. Chad Lockridge says, what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to try to burn him? He'll refuse to burn. We saw that in Daniel. Are you going to try to drown him with the waters of a flood? He'll walk on the water as he did the Sea of Galilee. What are you going to do? Are you going to kill him? He'll rise from the dead. Are you going to seal him in the grave? Then he'll clean out the tomb and make it a pleasant place to await the resurrection. But it is in those places that you get to know him and that you find out about him. When you get in the lion's den, don't look at them and just know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew and as Daniel knew that if God can be glorified by you being thrown in, then let it happen. You remember what they, the three young men said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said to the king, even if it pleases God for us to be burned, we don't care, but we're going to be faithful. You know, it's such a liberating feeling to know it's his problem. It's his problem. You as a Christian, whatever your lot in life, whatever your position in the church, every one of us have but one task, and that's to be faithful. That never involves usurping the throne. There's never a time when the hands of God atrophy to the point of weakness where we have to pick it up and do it for him. He is Lord. He is Lord.
What a compliment Darius paid Daniel. He said to him, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, was he able to deliver you? What a testimony to Daniel's faithfulness. And notice that there was no hurt. Daniel didn't get out of the lion's den alive. He got out of the lion's den without a scratch. And the three children went into the furnace. They came out without so much as the smell of smoke. But I want you to notice something else. The men who bound the three young men and threw them into the furnace were burned to death. And after Daniel was led out of the lion's den, those who had conspired against him were thrown in it. And this chapter says they were utterly devoured until not even their bones were left. Now God is faithful. And he is able to protect you from all harm. Daniel was bold. He never expressed fear. They didn't know what they were doing when they threw a man of faith to the lions. And as Moses once told Israel, put not your hand with a multitude to do evil. And you'd better remember, all of us, you, me, all the rest of us, had better remember that when it comes to matters of the Spirit, really when it comes to any decision in life, it doesn't matter who says what. The only thing that matters is what God says. And it doesn't matter, beloved, if the whole world agrees to something that's not true. If you belong to God, you better take a stand. Because when you stand before Him and all of this flesh whose existence is like grass, passes away. That's what you need to be concerned about. The Bible, Jesus said, do not fear the one that can destroy the body, but fear him who, if you rebel, is able to destroy both body and spirit in hell. Notice then again in verse 24, God is able to punish your persecutors. Now, I've already covered this. You'll be glad of that. I just failed to tell you about it. God is able to punish your persecutors. Those who conspired against Daniel paid for it. Out of God's will, hindering God's work, the very thing that you intend for others will happen to you. As when Haman, the advisor to King Ahasuerus, was hanged on the gallows that he had built for Mordecai, the uncle of Esther, and notice this, that until God is ready to call you home or call you away, nothing can eat you, kill you, or destroy you. For in Ephesians chapter 6, we are told to put on the whole armor of God, taking the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and having done all to stand. Then I've already covered this too, but notice in verses 25 and 26, God is able to proclaim His power through your obedience and your deliverance. 